Hey guys, my name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. So, before I get started, I just wanted to thank everybody who listened to the last episode on Boys B. That was really popular. I was surprisingly popular, considering what anime, what kind of anime Boys B is. It was really surprisingly popular. <laughs> um, but if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go to the last episode in the feed and listen to it. The other thing I want to say is I am finally around to start my own Reddit community, so I started r slash anime intelligentsia. Um, the point of the community is to have it to take a critical look as at anime as a medium. And what I mean by that is oftentimes anime is thought of, even by anime fans, as a genre. And as we'll get into in this episode... That's not really accurate. In fact, it's not accurate at all. Anime is simply animation from Japan in, like, the traditional sense. Doesn't matter what other people try to tell you. It's animation from Japan. And it's animation from Japan with a certain set of, you know, values, norms, all that stuff. All things that are, are associated with genres, but can be associated with mediums. So what I mean by medium, I don't mean the writing platform, but um, I mean the a kind of a set of tool, a kind of creation method, basically. Animation is a medium. Film is a medium. Music is a medium. Um, anime is an art form used to create and tell stories. And the reason why I created um, Anime Intelligentsia is I want to help people have an opportunity to think about anime as a medium in an open form in a non-threatening way. So if you're interested in that, uh, definitely go subscribe on Reddit slash r slash anime underscore intelligentsia, and, you know, write what you want to write. If you don't... My, like, internal model for this thing is if you don't see what you want to read, write it yourself. Um, so definitely go over to r slash anime underscore intelligentsia and subscribe, and I hope to see you there. Now, let's get to what we're talking about this week. Um, and what we're talking about this week is... I'm going to call it... Non-anime anime. Now, if you don't know what I was talking about when I said non-anime anime, what I'm talking about is I'm talking about, like, American Western anime-style cartoons. These are things like the thing that everybody always thinks of, which is Avatar. Um, also... Korra the, Korra the Last Airbender, also things like Dragon Prince. Based, by the way, all the same people made all of those shows, um, or most of the same team made every one of those shows. Um, but there are also things like um, Shira Princess of Power, the um, Mexican one on Netflix, and we'll get to Netflix in just a second. But what I mean by this is, basically, they are American or Western animation that draw heavily from 
the anime from anime as a medium as a mold of storytelling and what but what makes them different is that they are clearly anime inspired they're not anime um i would actually and people are going to come at me for this i'm sure actually qualify canon busters in the same sphere because it while it is done by a Japanese studio and you know has Japanese creators involved, the way LaShawn Thomas wrote the um uh what's his name? The kid um the character is from a really Western perspective. Um there's great attention paid to things like, for instance, sexual sexual harassment, um, am- among other things. But, and the reason why that's odd is because those same things, while they are concerns in Japanese culture and Japanese entertainment, they're not like, it's not like a wink-wink, nudge-nudge, like they don't, like if, if Billy the Kid was written by say a traditional anime anime creator it, he may still be a dirtbag but he would come off more like a Spike Spiegel dirtbag and less like a traditional american macho dirtbag and a lot of and the other thing about Cannonbusters in particular is that it is very clearly very clearly draws inspiration from Things like Cowboy Bebop, things like Trigun, things like Outlaw Star. These were like seminal 1990s infamous edgy anime for boys, basically. Um, But now I want to be clear. I'm not, I don't intend to talk about like Jet. anime-inspired cartoons like Avatar the Ambrandon tell you they're any less of a show. In fact, the reason I wanted to do this episode is because I want to talk about what I see as advantages to being from a Western perspective. Um, But I do want to place a clear dividing line between anime, the, the, like, the grade-A, the good-stuff product, and things like, say, not so much Cannon Buster, but things like, say, She-Ra, Princess of Power. Or even, um, something like The Bravest Warriors, or Being Puppy Cat, or that kind of stuff. And the reason I want to do that is because... There's some marketing happening. There's some marketing happening at your face all the time, A. But, B, there's some marketing happening right now around anime where companies are trying to expand the concept, pull it, like, pull the circle wider as much as they can so they can have more things that will make more money to a niche audience. Um, I have never done an episode about this, I don't think. 
um, because I didn't, I can't make it through the whole thing without wanting to dab my eyeballs out. Um, but Netflix on on Netflix right now is a documentary called Enter the Anime, and what its goal is, is its goal is to highlight or what it proposes it's doing is it's highlighting anime like really great anime creators and their creations. But what it's actually doing is different. What it's actually doing is it's trying to, like I said, stretch the Venn diagram circle wider so it includes things like, um, what's that, what is that name of that show? The um, show that's made out of Texas that is like, almost like Jackie Chan adventure looking show and it that show just it like so here here's here's the problem with what Netflix is doing and I know I'm struggling to get through this in a coherent way but it it it's infuriating. Netflix wants you to believe that things like the Boondock Saints are anime because there are more creators who can create something Boondock Saints-like than who can create something truly Sailor Moon-like, if that makes any sense. And in addition to that, they are going out and they are contracting with huge properties and huge creators in the in the actual anime space, so they have those things. Uh, lots of you may have heard my episode on Be the Beginning. Lots of you hear all of my episodes on Netflix, because Netflix trends like mad and that's what they want and I, I my problem isn't with them giving money to um I think it's Kenji Kamiyama to make more ghosts in the shell I am fine with that give that man the money to make more standalone complex or whatever he wants even his bad stuff isn't all that bad it's just odd and interesting um, see my see my very first episode, eleven forty five nap time about napping princess. For more on that, um, but my problem with Netflix is that they are trying to muddy the waters because they aren't ha- because having something seen as just a cartoon doesn't serve their purposes. You can't sell just a cartoon to you know. A 15-year-old kid. They are convinced, at least. You can't sell just a cartoon to a 15-year-old kid who just saw Ninja Scroll for the first time. And his eyes are, like, the size of dinner plates because he's never seen anything like it. And his life is changed, you know, forever because he saw Ninja Scroll for the first time. They want to, If they want to reach that kind of viewer... They have to say, hey, you like anime? You'll like Dragon Prince. As much as, dra- as interesting as Dragon Prince is, it is not anime. It's certainly anime-inspired. Actually, at this point, it's tec- technically and literally kind of Avatar The Last Airbender-inspired, and we'll get to Avatar. Um, but it's not... just not the same thing. It's like... It's like, it, so here's the way I would say that if you're going to think about anime's relationship to cartoons, you should think about 
anime and cartoons, you should think about cartoons as the overarching concept of apples. And you should think about Western cartoons as a Granny Smith apple. You should think about anime as a Fuji apple. They are different apples. They both have equal uses. They are both apples. They both have equal value. It's a matter of preference if you like taste the Fuji over Granny Smith, but they are both apples. Net what Netflix wants to do is it just wants to say, okay, all apples are are Fuji apples, no matter what the label says, take them. And that and their and their um documentary and to the anime also does the thing that anime fans who have been in it forever the way I have just just dislike and that is it tries to treat anime as this big edgy thing and can it be that yes but not every anime is fucking Helsing Ultimate <laughs> the edgiest fucking edgelord thing that ever edged. Um, or even the original hell thing, which also edges a hell of a lot. Um, pun intended if you read into that. But, it, it's so much more than that. And at the, at their best, the shows that I'm talking about in this non in this anime-inspired episode, like, it probably would be, um, title I'll give it in the episode in the episode rundown um are capable of using anime trappings and wet and more traditional western story trappings to come up with something really compelling and something that makes you want to watch it and something that makes it, it that makes you interested at its worst it ends up being Kind of a mess. And on that note, let's talk about the the good side of this. So the best version of this, I would say, is a, is actually not Avatar: The Last Airbender. Avatar: The Last Airbender is an impressive cartoon. It is an impressive cartoon, and I do say cartoon. I'm not going to count it as an anime. You can find it on lots of anime top tens. But for for our purposes here, I'm going to call these cartoons. And like I said, like I was trying to say earlier, there is there is no detriment to calling a cartoon a cartoon. That's just what it is. When we when someone says I watched a cartoon, you understand what they mean. When someone says I watched an anime, you also understand that to be a cartoon with certain qualities attached to it potentially and that's the reason why you want to keep the why you want to keep a barrier around words <laughs> welcome to english literature 1 get out your textbooks it's a quiz um but um open book um but the so the reason why I'm not focusing on Avatar The Last Airbender is because 
It's been a lot of breath spent on how Avatar The Last Airbender is good and great and awesome. But lots of people... And not that they missed the boat when it came to Korra. People love Korra, don't get me wrong. I love Korra. I love both of them. But more people... More people miss the beauty of Korra. More people miss the opportunity that Korra had and took, largely. And that's a rare opportunity, and it's a rare opportunity... Uh, it's a rare opportunity in Western cartoons. And the thing that Korra had to work with, was it had an expanded universe to work with. It had a universe that is on par with something like Naruto, or something like Bleach, or something like One Piece, or more aptly, probably, something like The Avengers. And I, I'm working on a panel for this for next year's convention season, but world building's really valuable. But what's even more valuable is when you have a show and it's got this massive world around it already. That's part of what made the first arc of the Gara, the Gara rescue arc of Naruto Shippuden interesting is that you were going to this like foreign place that you had seen clips of in orig Naruto original, in the original Naruto. But now they were using that setting as a way to, to as part of telling the story, which is which was an interesting way to go. Uh, one of the more interesting things they did with Baruto before it fell off, because Baruto um, is just Naruto with Baruto is like the ghost of Naruto that needs to keep staring in the mirror to know what it is. Um, <laughs> that's so mean. Oh my god, it deserves more than that. But that's how it feels a lot of time um, when I watch it. But the last kind of arc I watched was they went to the village hidden in the mist, which was this big question mark for all of Naruto. And what they did was they took the opportunity of Baruto to say, okay, we've always heard stories about the village hidden in the mist. Let's go there. Let's send people there. Um, they, in the um, Seven Spring thing, they went to Orochimaru's lair, technically the village hidden in the sound. Um, and they demystif- they- what they did with- at the best of that show is that they took a flashlight and they starkly de just demystified things about the Naruto world. And in Naruto- some of Naruto's best mo- some of Naruto Shippuden's best moments, that's what it did with stuff earlier from the original Naruto series. And- Korra does that. Korra wants to... Korra as a show understands that part of what people are watching, part of what the viewership is watching for is to exist in the Avatar world, to see how it's advanced, to see how it's changed, and to, like, sit with characters and, like, meet granddaughters of the original cast and meet daughters, and meet husbands, and all of this stuff, and by, and it has all of this, 
kind of massive cast that feels a lot like a shonen action show. But what's also interesting about Korra is that it has a female main character who feels like she's struggling in a similar way to not just a shonen action hero, but a shoujo action heroine. And by using the trappings of traditional Western storytelling, they're able to realize stuff that they only imply in anime. And that so that's an example of like traditional Western storytelling helping a show. And I I, I am much more of the opinion that Korra is better than it than it had any right to be than lots of people, but I still I like I, I understand why people take fault with it. The so Compare that to something like The Dragon Prince, which I certainly haven't seen all of, but I've seen enough of it. And The, the Dragon Prince... The problem with The Dragon Prince is that it explores all of these things and it, it wants to have conversations about, about its world and about its characters and about morality and all of this stuff. But it just... It wants its character to be fun and likable. And one of the most challenging things you can do as a storyteller is to make a character who is inherently unlikable, but you root for them and you follow them all the way through. That's a and that's a real talent of anime. Anime make anime regularly makes, especially shown in anime, regularly makes characters who are dick bags, but you follow them because you care about them because you see them struggle as much, if not more, than the, like, hero character. The, um, for example, the villains, many of the villains in the original Sailor Moon franchise are, like, you feel for them sometimes. Um, the ultimate example everyone always thinks of is Vegeta from Dragon Ball Z. Vegeta is not a good person. Vegeta is, like, a dick bag. But at the same time, like, Goku is off dying and going train with King Kai for the 90th time. Vegeta goes to the mall with his son and his wife and just goes shopping. Vegeta is doing the hard shit of just being there for his kid and his wife. Um, <laughs> which, if you've ever seen my... Mommy and Daddy Hate You panel, you know, like, I make a case for Vegeta being, like, the number one bad dad because he shows up for his family all the time. Um, and on that same note, Sasuke is, like, an irredeemable ass. Sasuke is a war criminal. But at the end of the, by the time you get to Boruto, you're like, oh, Sasuke, that lovable, that lovable scamp, he's fine, he's good, he's good by me, um, and for whatever reason, maybe, maybe, and I, I want to say that this is because. American creators 
overwhelmingly want their character to be likable, to to exhibit likable traits at some point. <laughs> uh, which shocker, I know. Um, want characters want their have a hard time making the making you root for the characters while still making them absolute shit bags. Um if you and if you look at Dragon Prince, it has this problem. Um the two bad teenagers. I literally just watched an episode of this. Um the character the um character who's a dark mage, who's Callum's um who's like Callum's love interest. They make her sympathetic at moments, but they it's like she it's like she's functioning in a way that's brainwashed, and it's like you you feel you you see her you see her change throughout the show and morph and shift into ultimately being a better and better person. The way that anime would handle that is, no, she's a terrible person, but somebody's worse to her, so she's like, fuck that person on my own side, I'm done, I'm leaving. And kind of the best version of that, actually, is from lab in kind of traditional Western-style anime, like, is actually in The Last Airbender, in Zuko. Zuko is a dickbag. Zuko is awful. Zuko is like hunting a child so he can be redeemed by his father who burnt his face off or burnt half of his face off. And eventually Zuko's arc makes him not a good makes him not a good guy necessarily, but makes him it makes him not a good person. He is still he is still the same He is the same person at his core. But he is also recognized that he needs to carve his own path. And if I had to criticize shows like Dragon Prince and like Oh My God, Shira it would be for something character-wise. It would generally be when they turn characters from good, from bad to good, or from in Chiro's case, from good to bad. They seem like cackling maniacs, or like they turn into like gentle fairy godmothers, and it's just, it's not. That's not always the way it goes. You know, pe there are terrible people who do great things and create great change. Look at fucking Nixon. He got impeached for fucking with an election. We're dealing with that again. Now. Um, fuck. God damn it, 2019. But he also opened up China. He also, you know, started the clean, like... Started lots of environmental things. He did... Nixon did a tremendous amount of good for the country. For the United States. 
but he was also a terrible fucking person. And, by the way, that's true of many, many politicians. They are not necessarily good people. They are calculating, popularity-obsessed, like, nightmare husks. But they do good things. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes they do terrible things. Um, but... In Western animation, they have this... In Western... A in Western... In anime-inspired Western cartoons, specifically, they have this obsession lots of times with, okay, if this character's going to be a good character, going to be a good guy, we need to completely flip them. We need to make them, like, altruistic and all this stuff. Whereas, in anime... The shows, lots of times, like once again, Dragon Ball Z, or even a show that I hate, that I hate more than life itself, freaking Code Geass, recognize an a, a, a character can be a good guy and still be an absolute piece of shit, and anime-inspired cartoons lose that a lot of times. So, but. The other thing that, but the thing, one of the things that anime-inspired cartoons do have going for them is they can interpret things that are, oh, by the way, there's also a super bomb of the barrel called, like, Kappa Mikey, and we will get to that in a second, but moving back, moving back to center here, um, the... Anime-inspired cartoons can, because they have more of a West Western storytelling, be more direct and be less esoteric, because they're like, boom, 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 here. And if the storytellers are good enough, you get things like, um, you get things like the Avatar The Last Airbender episode, one of my favorite episodes of animation ever tales of bossing say and that that is by the way i'm not i know i'm not alone in that i know that's a very cliche answer to that question what's your favorite episode of animation tales of bossing say okay um mark you down with the rest of the weirdos and what that's doing there is it's it's having the conversation about not just one side of the spectrum, but all of the characters. And, you know, where anime... Where anime like Dragon Ball Z want to have... Want to have, want to have Vegeta in the story and get him there, they only focus on him for like two seconds. Went for like two seconds at a time when he's evil. There's a, there's a B plot on Namek where he's hunting down the Dragon Ball and he's still a bad asshole, but he wants world power, so he snuck to Namek to get immortality and he's hunting down the Dragon Ball himself and he's keeping him in a hole on Namek. I'm not kidding. And he <laughs> he's just an asshole, but they only focus on him for like brief action scenes. There's not much focus there. There's not much examination of what's happening. 
Whereas in something like Tales of Bossing Say, it's a lot more akin to something like, I would say, My Hero Academia, where the characters are given, the, where you see uh, more of the bad guys and the good guys than by see, you see more of everyone by seeing it all than you would if you only saw the good guy's perspective. Um, once again, Korra really excels at this. It, um, in its, in its final season, in book four, I think book four is called Balance, when you see the hero, and when, when A, when you get Henry Rollins as a voice of an anti-authoritarian, which is, considering Henry Rollins, kind of hysterical. Um, <laughs> um, but when you see Henry Rollins, when you hear Henry Rollins and you hear his perspective, it makes sense. It, it, it resonates. And you spend time with those characters and they give those characters, like, personality quirks and, like, differences of opinion and differences of goals. And it gives you a better picture of the whole story than if you just got a picture of, than if you just got the good guy's perspective. It continues that ultimately with Kovira. Um, and actually, I think Kovira is first. It, it continues it in both directions, how, whatever direction it continues. But by seeing all of the characters and the way they interact and having a more full picture of them, shows like Korra let you have more weight to those interactions. It's not just, you know, uh, hero and his nemesis. Or in the case of the cell fight, you know, a hero and just the bad guy standing in the way of the hero who just killed the hero's friend for for a dramatic moment for the sake of drama. Um, and a lot of that, a lot of that style of storytelling is in Western, in anime-inspired Western cartoons, has the advantage of coming second, has the advantage of ha the creators having absorbed all of that media, and being able to, like, regurgitate the relationship, but then change it and morph it into something that's more impactful. Um, but in shows, and in shows like My Hero Academia, what, what that, an, an, an anime, what they do is they kind of take it the next step, and they say, what if you were always intent on being a good guy, but you were never a good person? Like, what if being a good person didn't predispose you to being an evil person. <laughs> and that's what you get in, um, in Flamebeard Man, and, um, I forget Flame, I forget Todoroki's father's name. Um, but the number two hero, the, like, Flamebeard guy, and that's what you get in Bakugo. They are both, at their core, bad people. <laughs> But the show doesn't say that um, 
and the school principal is similar, but he's a little different. But they don't say, okay, that they don't say that bad people are inherently evil. They say that bad people are just bad people. It doesn't mean bad. Being a bad person doesn't mean you're the kind of person who would kill somebody. Conversely, being the kind of person who would kill somebody could also mean you are a kind soul. Um, but it, it, humanity is a complicated, is a complicated condition, so to speak. Um, but then you get to things like Shira, Shira, Princess of Power, which Shira, Princess of Power, big problem is that it needs to continue. If they had a definite, if I could see an end point for Princess of for Shira, then it would be a much better show. But what it feels like, what what shows like, um. Avatar the Last Airbender and then Korra and that like crowd felt like they were doing were they were riffing on anime directly. They were taking those influences and like kneading them and turning them into their own into something that was their own. What Shira feels like it's doing is Shira feels like it's aping Avatar. It doesn't feel like it's aping Dragon Ball Z or, you know, more aptly, what's it called? Sailor Moon. It feels so much of what you see as, like, anime-inspired Western cartoons are actually aping the first generation of anime-inspired Western cartoons. That's why they have this... What's, what's the word for it? They have this formulaic feeling that doesn't it doesn't feel good it's like it 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 grates on you after a while after you see like the fourth character who talk who like looks like talks like and acts like Varric from Korra it it it, it just doesn't who and to be clear Varric looks like talks like and acts like the um professor they find at the air temple um in avatar the last airbender that stuff but Varric is done in like this heightened he's done with a perspective of like a 1920s you know um businessman who's making it big and he's living at large. I'm Varric, baby! Um... Varric has a perspective. A character like, um, that sailor guy who entire episode is, like, basically a musical, which is kind of funny, but... Um, or even a character like Bo in Shira are... Archetypical or archetypes formed from archetypes. So if you know anything about that, formed from archetypes that were formed from a different kind of character, they're formed from 
They were formed from a totally different kind of character. If you know anything about that, it feels... It feels less than the sum of its parts. And um, then the last lovely genre, like, like, take on, like, West, anime-inspired Western cartoons. Actually, before that, first, a brief moment to appreciate an undersung hero in this category, Batman Beyond. And if you're like, Alex, Batman Beyond is just a Western cartoon, Batman Beyond is a cyberpunk take on Batman that is, like, all about technology and has, like, Deeply anime-inspired designs and aesthetic choices and like thought processes. I I I can't tell you enough how much I've thought like ah Batman Beyond should go in this in this category too. But most people don't remember it except for that movie because it's on HBO sometimes. Oh well. Um, but now we can get into the last like unfortunate, truly unfortunate part of this, which is shows like. It's gonna come out of my mouth. Kappa Mikey. And if you don't know what Kappa Mikey is, my heart sings for you. Because Kappa Mikey was... It was an attempt at the capitalization... It was, like, the one of the very first attempts at, cap, at the capitalization on anime as a style or a genre, so to speak, that I think it might have been on Nickelodeon. And it looks an awful lot like Danny Phantom, feels an awful lot like getting punched in the eye holes repeatedly, and it's just... It's this... It's a surface-level take on Japanese culture and anime culture that just... It doesn't achieve what it should achieve or what it needs to achieve at all. Uh, and while things like Hi Hi Puffy Yami Yumi exist, and things what, like Teen Titans, the original Teen Titans, which is intensely anime-inspired, exist, um, they, those shows are A, in the case of Teen Titans, taking the right, taking the right bits and pieces from anime and piecing them together in a way that makes a lot of sense but also with the trappings of a very of a Marvel of a DC Universe storyline and in the case of Hi Hi Puffy Yami Yumi are like basically 10 minute short in the style of Tom and Jerry, or even better, the Powerpuff Girls, and, like, built f built specifically for that audience, and the only thing that links them to anime is that the characters are modeled after the band Puffy Amiyumi. Um, things like Kappa Mikey are just all about trying to hit the face value of anime and seeing who you get on the hook in the process. It, it's not a very good show. I don't remember much about it. I just remember seeing it and being and just 
having a big old nope go off in my head, and I need and like I needed to avoid it like the plague. But I, I hope this was at all entertaining at the end of the day. <laughs> but um, if you like this episode, this is an slightly abnormal episode. Um, but you can subscribe in your podcast emporium of choice. Um, please leave me a good review on preferably iTunes. Um, but on anything that allows you to review my podcast, please give me five stars. I hope I deserve it. <laughs> but until next time, I have been Alex. You've been listening to Lunchbox Radio, and I'll talk to you later. <laughs>